Hi, this is Andy Wyslowski from Orchestral Medusa of the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, the first installment of what will hopefully be a reoccurring special edition of PF's tape recorder, Your Favorite Band. And the first episode features podcaster and TV writer Caleb Bacon talking about his favorite band, Depeche Mode. So, basically, I used to have a pretty serious drinking problem. And thanks to that, I got to meet Martin Gore and uh, Fletch Fletcher from Depeche Mode. We'll hear more from Caleb in just a bit. I did want to discuss with you briefly how this all came about. Um, I just kind of had this idea uh, for this podcast based on a couple different things, talking to uh, Pat Francis from Rock Solid Podcast, who's been on before, and Jimmy Pardo, who's been on the podcast before. Go back and look through the the back catalog, if you please. And anyway, we talk a lot about music with those guys, and uh, it got me thinking, uh, listening to Jimmy's podcast, Never Not Funny, he was talking about being in the Chicago documentary they're making. He has a little cameo in that, talking about it, because it's his favorite band. And it got me thinking, I wonder what makes people's favorite band their favorite band. I just wanted to find out more about that, and I thought, Maybe I'll start a different podcast called Your Favorite Band. And I thought, eh. Talked about it with Fangirl, and I'm like, you know, we'd have to start from the ground up, uh, get a whole new audience, you know, get a whole new Podbean account, or probably go with Libsyn instead, but uh, get a whole new account somewhere, and I, that just seemed like a whole lot of work. So I decided, well, we've done special edition of the PF tape recorder we do the uh, summer concert series in the summer when we go on vacation we treat you guys to that and we have longer interviews with the big names like you know Mark Marin and Jimmy Pardo you know this is not an excuse to drop names of previous guests but you get my point so anyway for your favorite band I figure, well that that fits in the PF tape recorder the whole concept of it it's it's 12 year old me in my uh, parents den with my tape recorder uh, pretending to be on the radio and you know this this fits that as well so uh, for the first episode I decided to go with somebody who is a pretty big name but who hadn't been on the uh, podcast yet because he he's not a touring comedian so I can't you know buy him off with some ink in uh, a weekly newspaper in Minneapolis or Cincinnati or, or Houston or someplace else like that uh, but someone I knew uh, liked a particular band a lot because he mentions it on his podcast uh, and so Caleb I know is a fan of Depeche Mode I think well this would be a good chance for me to geek out with somebody about Depeche Mode because um, I do like Depeche Mode a lot they're probably in my top five favorite bands of all time for a long time it was between them and OMD for my favorite band and then I just I didn't keep up with Depeche Mode after a while and I kept going on with OMD but we discussed all that with Caleb uh he has interesting talk with him we get to geek out a little bit about Depeche Mode and if you're like me you can listen to people talk about their favorite band whether you like the band or not I'm a huge fan of those VH1 behind the music things my favorite one and you've heard me mention this before is about sticks uh I have one stick song in my iTunes it's Mr. Roboto which is probably mortifies sticks fans it is my favorite behind the music ever it is so hilarious and interesting and intriguing so hopefully you'll be able to take something from this episode of your favorite band, even if uh, you've never heard of Depeche Mode or aren't keen on Depeche Mode. But here now is our talk with Caleb Bacon and his favorite band, Depeche Mode. Okay, joining us on your favorite band, it's podcaster and television writer Caleb Bacon. Caleb, how you doing? Good, PF. Thanks for having me, and I, I look forward to talking about my favorite band. But am it, I allowed to ask who yours is? Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to get that a lot. Actually, I'm one of those people that has two, and that'd be the Beach Boys and Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Okay, I don't think you hear a lot of people uh, say those are their number one, one A and one B. 
Well, that's the thing. Well, I mean, the, the, I guess the Beach Boys, I think, raises an eyebrow, but isn't too surprising. But OMD, most people in America only know them for If You Leave and maybe Dreaming and maybe some of the other singles because the uh, the Greatest Hits sold pretty well when it was out. Uh, but yeah, and, and it got me thinking, one of the things that inspired this uh, special edition of the podcast was uh, I thought, geez, you know, if I only, if my favorite band is OMD, a band people know one song of, there's probably lots of bands out there that I know one song of that are probably great too. So, uh, that's true. Yeah, but in this, this is not the case with you. I know a lot about your favorite band. <laughs> Because they used to be my, they, it used to be a lot for a long time. Uh, the battle between my favorite band, as far as you know, uh, newer bands go, when I was younger, was between OMD and Depeche Mode, whoever I listened to last. But uh, but gradually, I stopped keeping up with Depeche Mode. And as I understand it, it was about the same time you got into them. So what? When did you get into Depeche Mode? Yeah, I, I think I have like an atypical Depeche Mode trajectory because they really blew up in America in the 80s with the whole synth pop thing. Yep. Was, especially here in Los Angeles where I live, they were just huge. Like they sold out the Rose Bowl. There's a documentary made about it. Excellent. Just, Recommended. Yeah, 101. And yes. They, they just took it o- took things over here in Los Angeles. But me being a, a guy born in 1980 from upstate New York, you know, the sort of stuff that was actually on the radio in the 80s a lot of it didn't reach my ears. It was more like whatever my mom was playing in the car. So whatever logins in Messina you want to know about, I can tell you. <laughs> but then it wasn't until I got to high school in like the mid-90s when I got more into dance music and electronic music in general and found out that there were a lot of DJs I liked and a lot of people who either played remixes of Depeche Mode songs like Enjoy the Silence or people who I love were saying that their favorite band was Depeche Mode. So, you know, I put aside my Beastie Boys for five minutes and started digging through Depeche Mode. very much into him in high school but so Exciter came out in 2000 2001 and my interest in Depeche Mode was at an all-time high except most of their classic fans just hated that album even Depeche Mode now says that album uh, was pretty weak and I think looking back some of the songs stand up but one of the great things about Depeche Mode is they're a fantastic live band yes, and a yes. lot a lot of their songs We'll do like a seven-minute live version. I mean, so much of it is anthemic and energetic, and I don't know. For me, it's the best way to experience music that has a lot of textures and and like a like a full sonic palette, so it can really come alive. So, uh, enjoy the silence was the first song you probably heard by them. Yeah, yeah, it was the first one. I, I mean, I knew other Depeche Mode songs. Yeah, like like Personal Jesus and Just Can't Get Enough. There you go. Silence, I just connected with. Now that's odd, because Just Can't Get Enough is sort of, is the first song I heard. I don't know if you've ever heard of the movie Summer Lovers with Peter Gallagher and Daryl Hannah. And uh, 
uh, a lovely French actress who uh, passed away shortly after the film was made. But uh, on the soundtrack of it was Depeche Mode. And it was one of the first times, I guess, when they started to uh, have those garage sale of the record label's acts on a, as the soundtrack. Hmm. And Depeche Mode was on. I thought, well, that's a pretty good tune. But I never heard it again. It was before we had MTV. And then uh, they resurfaced for me again in college. I was driving around campus. And uh, the long version, the uh, enlarged amounts version of Everything Counts came on. And I was like, what is this? This is so cool. And uh, that was it. I really do love Everything Counts, but just can't get enough. I, I never need to hear again. <laughs> um, I guess you probably hear that more in Southern California than we hear in other parts of the country. Well, let me ask you. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, are you a fan at all of Vince Clark-led uh, Depeche Mode? You know, that's the thing. With me being uh, 33 and with me not getting into Depeche Mode until he had been out of the band for a long time, you have all these people who... I mean, the, your message board types who want to talk about how that's when Depeche Mode started to suck or that's when the band was real, but I just don't have an opinion on that because while I like those records, I just don't have that deep connection. So, but you went back through the whole catalog once you became a fan, so you have, or did you just, were you selective in your catalog selections or how'd that work? No, I, I mean, I dug into all of it, you know, all the original albums, your B-sides, plenty of remixes, but... What really cemented my love for Depeche Mode was when I saw him live for the first time. And it was the first show of that Exciter tour. Uh, I think it was summer 2001. And I saw them in uh, Montreal at the, at the Molson Center. Oh, wow. And it, it was the first show of the tour, kicking off like the 18-month world tour. And after that, it was like, all right, I'm never missing another Depeche Mode tour. <laughs> and even though they were touring what people thought was a pretty weak album, they still had so many great, big, huge hits to play. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was nobody complaining that night. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think the last time we saw them was probably the tour before that, which was Faith and Devotion. Uh, there, was a little bit, there was a little bit of touring in between those two. Yeah, but that, was, that would have been the last time we saw them, I'm pretty sure. And I think that was Wilder. It was uh, Alan Wilder was still in the group. Um, Getting back to Vince Clark for a second, I think that's an, a rare case in pop music where somebody left a band and you got two stronger acts out of it because eventually we got Erasure, uh, mm-hmm. which may or may not be your cup of tea, and Yazoo, of course, with Vince Clark. And then, of course, you got Martin Gore step into the front and you know taking over the songwriting for Depeche Mode and you know really uh, doing an, an outstanding job. I think he's one of the most underrated songwriters uh, in pop music, to be sure. Absolutely. And for me, Martin Gore is the heart of Depeche Mode. So Alan Wilder, Vince Clark, well, they contributed significantly. It's the it's Martin Gore's songs and it's his mixture of these guitar licks that are like just really infectious and, and groovy and addictive, mixed in with the the synthesizers and the energy and you know how there can be all these grooves going on at once. Uh, I just I love the hell out of that guy. Yeah, uh, when you uh, listen to Vince's Depeche Mode songs, it's it, there's two big differences. Uh, one, they're much more uh, riff on top of riff based, which I could, the later ones are with Martin and Alan, or, and Alan doing uh, 
heading up things. But it's the sound is a lot more cleaner and craftworky. And then of course, uh, you know, Alan comes in and introduces the synthesizer, the uh, not the synthesizers, but the uh, sampling keyboards and things like that, and uh, really pushes their sound in a different direction. And I'm I'm thankful he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, when when you uh, tell people that you're a fan of Depeche Mode, what kind of reactions do you get? Because of course, as an OMD fan, I get like, who are they? If you leave, oh yeah, them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of weird because a lot of uh, people my own age have limited experience with Depeche Mode, but because I live in Southern California, this is a Depeche Mode town. I mean, last yeah. time they were here, even though it was 25 years after that famous Rose Bowl show, they sold out three nights at the Staples Center, yet they also played the Santa Barbara Bowl 90 miles from here. Oh, wow. Did a show in San Diego. So basically, the whole Southern California area, they do a ton of gigs and so i've been thankful or i've been you know lucky enough to see them on every tour since i saw them the first time and i've also seen them in santa barbara san diego las vegas and even new york wow you ever have a chance to meet them yeah actually so basically i used to have a pretty serious drinking problem and thanks to that i got to meet martin gore (laughs) and uh fletch fletcher from depeche mode because I went to see them in, in Las Vegas in 2005, and I was supposed to meet a friend there from Florida, and it was the only club show they were playing on this big arena tour. And we're thinking, let's spend the extra bucks, let's go to Vegas, we'll get like this nice, intimate experience. So my friend decides on the day of the show that he doesn't want to go to Vegas. So I'm there in Vegas by myself, I'm pissed off at my friend, he had a hookup for a hotel room, so now I gotta pay for a hotel, and I'm in Vegas, with a drinking problem. So by the time the show gets around, I'm like half in a blackout. And uh, which, by the way, I quit drinking. I don't have these problems anymore. But so I essentially was there, but I missed out on a lot of the show. And then after the show, I wandered around the hard rock for a while and throwing away more money, eating some food, throwing up, that sort of thing. Then I decided to wander back in the venue. And there was nobody there. And because it was like an hour, hour and a half later, there was no more security because there was no, no, no rush for people trying to get backstage. It was just like some guy with a broom cleaning up. And I, I hop backstage and I get to the staircase. And I don't know why, but I had a choice to go up or down. And I was like, oh, I'll go up. And then at the next floor, I decided to get out the door. And again, I don't know why, but I have a choice to go left or right. And I, I go left. And I walk down this hallway and I just... You know, there's a bunch of doors and office-looking places. But I decide to just, I pick a random door, no reason, and I open it and I go in. And it's Depeche Mode's private after party. And it's like the band and 40 models. <laughs> and I was, I was so banged up from the booze that I knew I had a chance to, to meet my, my hero, Marty Gore. But I kept having to, like, sneak to the bathroom and, and uh, puke my guts out. But then I eventually got a chance to talk to him probably embarrassed myself a little bit but i got a picture and oh wow. I, talked, I talked to fletch and i know i embarrassed myself with him because i <laughs> tried to name drop a mutual friend who he didn't recall at first and it, i mean that was that was stupid but i got to, got to meet martin gore and it was just this uh, perfect random bizarre awesome situation it, it was providence that delivered you to that point backstage it really was because I can't explain yeah. 
how that worked out. I mean, if I had like tried to open all these locked doors and I finally got to one that was unlocked and that was the party, like it'd be a different story. But, uh, you know, can OMD do that, Pia? No, weird thing. I uh, met Andy McCluskey twice. Once because using my, my press connections, I we went to New York to see them. Actually, just it was actually just him at that point. Paul had left the group, and uh, the other three had too. That's a whole different story. And um, so I met him there. We were in Chicago uh, a couple years ago, and they were on their uh, reunion tour with a new album. And I got a chance to interview Paul Humphreys. So I'm going to meet Paul Humphreys at the hotel. Get to the hotel. The lobby's all torn up. You got to use the alternate lobby. Go down to the elevator there. Getting on the elevator and. McCluskey. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I say, hey. Yeah. So yeah. So I've interviewed him a, a, a couple of times now. And um, yeah, I know I, I still owe you a, a call on meeting your heroes uh, for yeah. your podcast. And speaking of your podcast, on yeah. episode 15 of Man School, a uh, whole podcast recommended, folks, um, you uh, uh, you talked to your buddy, what's his name, Dan Barassi? Yeah, Daniel Barassi. Like, one of the things I do with my podcast, Man School, is I want to give people an opportunity to walk in somebody else's shoes to see what it's like to have a, a certain very unique life experience, whether it's something that's kind of difficult and crappy or it's something that's especially cool. And my friend Daniel works for Depeche Mode, and he's been their, their webmaster, photographer, video guy, like new media guy for the past 15 years, and they are his favorite band. So we do talk about, like, how do you function in that situation? How do you get over your, your, your own ego? and be able to do good work but still enjoy the perks and the benefits. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great episode, and um, we will link to that on our Podbean page. Uh, but go, go back, as uh, Jackie Cassian says, uh, go back and cherry-pick people. And, um, and, and ladies, uh, you will enjoy the podcast, too. It is geared for men, but I think women can draw uh, a lot of things from it as well. I was telling my wife about the episode just in conversation about your buddy that was kidnapped twice. Yeah. She's like, oh, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. So I'm going to download it for her, and she's going to listen to that, too, because she's just fascinated by that. So yeah, a lot of cool stories uh, on Man School. Yeah, the show is definitely not anti-woman. Or oh, no, no. I, I just try and make a show that's about men sharing their life experiences in such a way that can hopefully benefit anyone listening. But yeah, Exactly, yeah. And I think it, it totally will. Um, so what would be your favorite album uh, by Depeche Mode? I, it's changed over the years, and my first favorite album was Violator, and for me, that had the hits and like the, the deeper album cuts that I just first fell in love with, with the band. to seeing them on that Exciter tour. Yeah. But it's uh, Black Celebration, which I think is from... Oh, wow. Okay. From front to back, that is a strong album. Yes. And when you look at like their past few tours, I would say that's probably the album that they do the most songs from. So I think they probably like it too. Have a black celebration 
Now, uh, let me see. When you bought that album, you probably bought it on CD, and yeah. it included "But Not Tonight." Um, but the I don't recall. But because well, the reason I ask is because that's a a bit of a controversy in in the band is that when uh, that was the B side to "Stripped," as you probably know. Right. Okay. Well, when they released the album in America, Sire, the record label at the time, said, "Wow, that's a really good tune." Not only are we going to put that on the album, we're going to flip that and make that the A side, and we're going to make Strip the B side. And they hated that idea so much so they refused to play the song in America. So, legend has it, and all the tours I saw them on, they never played it. I did see a bootleg from Europe where they did play it. But um, anyway, so what are your thoughts on that song? Let me ask you. Uh, but not tonight. They actually have started playing it on this past tour. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's one they wanted to distance themselves from because, as I know it. It's just, it's kind of a soft, fluffy song, but at the same time, I still feel like it's a nice piece of music in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it was, oh gosh, um, I can't remember what it was. Like, so the video that they made for it is them with the movie going on behind them and kind of like almost being shined in their faces and you can see Gahan is squinting and holding, kind of holding up his hand while he's singing in the microphone because I think they're actually, they didn't like do it with, with production tricks. They actually showed the movie behind them while they were, while they were uh, filming them singing it. Um, oh God, what's the name of that movie? Modern, Modern Girls? Uh, I think it was like some kind of Winona Ryder. Some, yeah, no, uh, Daphne Zuniga was in it, and uh, God, I can't remember who else. I think it's Modern Girls. We'll we'll link to it on the podcast. As Jackie Cation says, I'll have a bunch of dorks uh, emailing me and twittering in. <laughs> and if we're lucky, that will actually happen uh, for <laughs> us. So are, are you a big remix guy? Because actually the thing I like about But Not Tonight Best is the uh, what's called the, I think it's called the just the U.S. Remix, which is a six-minute version of it, which kind of breaks the song down beautifully and builds it back up like a, like a good remix should. Uh, are you big on the, on the remixes in your catalog? Yeah. I am, but um, you know, not to not to derail our conversation here, PF. But I totally forgot a story. About, oh no! Go ahead. About a time that I that I technically played with the Pesh Mode. Oh no way! Go ahead. Now I, I have no musical talent, <laughs> what whatsoever. But I was at this friend of a friend's birthday party in 2005, and it, the guy the guy was like a Grammy winning music producer. And most of the party had shifted to his to his studio, which he had all these great 70s, like soul, funk, classic records. So my friend and I ended up DJing at this party. And then in walks Depeche Mode's drummer, Christian. And I'm playing, and I actually put on a Depeche Mode remix. Because I'm like, all right, what the hell, I'll be that guy. <laughs> and it was the Francois K mix of uh, behind the wheel. Oh, and nice. Or, or personal Jesus. Which one? Personal Jesus. And uh, Francois K is a fantastic DJ who I've loved for a long time. 
who was the engineer on the Violator album. And he, so, so I put this song on and then Christian, because we're in a music studio, he picks up some drums and he just starts playing along with it. And so I thought to myself, all right, technically I'm playing with Depeche Mode. <laughs> wow. And did you have a chance to talk to them then or was it just too crowded crazy to, to interact? It was only uh, Christian from the band there. I mean, he's not a, a founding member, but he's one of the regular touring and studio musicians. And also he, he tours and produces music with Dave Gahan on Dave's solo projects. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and well, well, let's talk about that. What do you think about uh, like the the solo efforts, um, the, the, like the counterfeit EPs from Martin and Recoil from Wilder and uh, Gahan's solo album? Uh, Recoil doesn't do much for me. Martin's <laughs> counterfeits EPs have some songs I I really like a lot, but I don't love them all. And then Dave's solo stuff, and you know, for people who don't know, he's the lead singer of the band, but he historically didn't really write any of the music. Yeah. But he's still one hell of a front man. But so he he did a solo album and I think it was two thousand three. And it had some songs that were okay. But what what came out of that was he he had a greater interest in songwriting. And that started to be incorporated into the band little by little. And I think some really good pieces of music have came out of that. So while Dave's solo stuff hasn't shined, I'm I'm glad he uh, put the work in. Yeah, because he was always, um, I guess he had an interest in songwriting like way, way back. And Martin would always kind of go, mm, no, uh, you know, it, it doesn't quite, you know, uh, pass stuff. And even after a while, I guess Wilder kind of gave up um, because he, uh, I don't think he contributed anything to Black Celebration song-wise or Music for the Masses or uh, Violator for that matter. And then Depeche Mode kind of took a, a turn in the mid-90s. Dave... I believe he technically died from a heroin overdose, but yeah. resuscitated. And he ended up cleaning his act up and then, you know, got into living a more spiritual life and having having a healthy marriage and things like that. So I think he was probably more content just in his life in general. Yeah. Then as as a lot of people do in sobriety, you kinda get to a point where you're like, All right, I'm doing pretty well. I I want more. And so he's he's been able to write some songs. Yeah, and some pretty good ones. There's, I can't remember what the one is on the... It was one of the first ones that Martin let him have on the album. Is, I think it might have been... It's not Ultra. See, I got all the... Uh, at, the albums after Faith and Devotion, they're just all a jumble to me. But there's one of the albums he's got like two songs on, and uh, they're both pretty good, actually. I guess he wrote them... I guess Christian is one of the ones he wrote them with, uh-huh. and one other guy, I think, uh, helped them out, too. So, yeah, I want to say it's Andrew Philpott. Aha. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. See, my, my Depeche Mode gets very spotty, like I said, after Faith and Devotion. Um, so and back to the remix thing, though. So you're a big remix guy, but like, if we go to your your iPod, do you have like everything on there, or are you selective in the number of versions you have? I would say it's kind of like every year I change. Okay. Like there's just some stuff that speaks to me more at certain points, and I, I'll play the hell out of it. And then not really get sick out of it, but it's like the itch has been scratched, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that one too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, for for the sake of being thorough, I, I'll pull up my iTunes here, and I can tell you the, oh, you know what? There's there's two techno remixes uh, of the past couple of years where of newer Depeche Mode songs that are ones that I still listen to pretty regularly. 
the minimal techno DJ Ricardo Villalobos, his remix of The Sinner in Me, which is a 13-minute long journey, is one that I love. Hmm. And also, uh, German techno DJ Michael Meyer did a remix of Precious. And oh, I love that song. Yeah, both of those, both those are just rocking, and they... You know, there's these like grooves I can get lost in, and they complement the music really well. Yeah, I would. It's. I'm glad you brought up Precious. I would say like post uh, songs of faith and devotion. That is definitely uh, a high point, and I think it's because that song came out of uh, Martin Gore. I guess he his uh, marriage had kind of broken up. He moved to Southern California, and I don't know. I guess he kind of was really able to tap into that into something really real, and yeah. uh, and pull that one out. And man, that that's just a gorgeous song. And uh, fun fact, Martin Gore lives in a really nice part of Santa Barbara, and his next-door neighbor is Oprah Winfrey. I did not know that. Wow. That's how you know you've sold a lot of records. Yeah, that's a fact, yeah. It was funny, I was reading the Wikipedia page to get caught up today just to see anything interesting we could talk about in the history of Depeche Mode. And I guess even when they were doing well, um, even on the, the time of the 101 tour, which they were putting butts in the seats, but they weren't really selling a lot of records, and I guess in, in North America... Uh, they really weren't, at least not as many as they should have been, because um, I guess they were just kind of seen as this... It's weird. I knew this part. They were always seen as like a, uh, a teen, almost a teen pop band, almost a One Direction type band <laughs> in Europe and England, and over here they were seen in as very alternative and goth, and the Pet Shop Boys used to get the same thing, oddly. They said they, we'd come over and, you know, we, we're a pop band in the UK, you know, we have you know top 10 hits, we come over here, we're lumped into people like New Order and Depeche Mode. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't know what that is, but you did ask what people say when I tell them I like Depeche Mode, and a lot of people will be like, but you're not wearing black. Where yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I got a lot of grief back in the day, believe me. And uh, I guess the other problem, too, and I don't know if when you, when you came on board, this was the problem, too, and it's something, uh, I hate to go back to OMD, but Andy McCluskey describes <laughs> this in a, in a very brilliant documentary called Synth Britannia, which is, you can watch all of it on YouTube, by the way, kids. We'll link to that. It's got OMD and Depeche Mode and Human League and all the greats in it. But he says the thing with that been viewed by synthesizers is that they're not manly, they're not sweaty, it's not working class. It's not a, and that's why people kind of look down upon the whole genre. So, um, Are there other bands that you uh, like? Who are some of your other favorite bands? You said you were into Beastie Boys before Depeche Mode. What, what were you in, into before and then what would we find on your iTunes now that gets almost as much play as Depeche Mode? Uh, well, it, a lot, you know, like I said with the Depeche Mode songs, a lot of my musical tastes will stay the same, but they just kind of vary from year to year, what's really, what's really speaking to me. And a band that I've really loved on and off over the years, which is a little surprising, is Megadeth. Oh, wow. And they are a thrash speed metal group but they've always had like a real bassy groove to the music, and while it's been really fast, like the musicianship is yeah. sex none, and so just, there's something about that level of excellence with a groove like that that I uh, I just can't get enough of. Now I don't love all their contemporary albums, but they've been touring some of their classic albums in full front to back over the past few years. That's a big trend now, yeah. Yeah, and man, I am thankful for that trend because it's so much fun. So are you a big album guy, as it were, then? Do you listen like albums as a whole, or, or do you kind of pop around song to song, different albums? I think I, I, I think I grew up with having a longer attention span for music, and so I like the idea of the journey. 
And I like the idea of like albums are sequenced in a particular order for a reason because the band wants to tell you something. And so I, I really enjoyed, uh, spe- you know, especially like with Black Celebration, that the album as a whole. Yeah, it's strange because with Depeche Mode, I, even though I'm, I've always been much more of a, a singles person and known as a, a singles song to song kind of person, uh, and that is true of Depeche Mode, but I am actually more of an album guy with those guys. I, in fact, if I'm going to listen to an album by anybody, it, uh, front to back, it's most likely going to be a Depeche Mode album. You're you're like secretly the biggest non Depeche Mode super fan. Oh, again, they were again. I I knew uh, very into them, and then when we got to the '90s, and then uh, these songs of faith and devotion, and that was that was okay. But then it's just kind of like I don't know. It just it for me the wheels kind of came off, and uh, you know, OMD. Even though they, they were flying on one engine at that point, because you know three fourths of the band left, I, they were still making better records. I think. Um, and I still like those records better, and I still, you know, still want to get back into Depeche Mode. Another thing I noticed too, when on the way back from dropping off my girls at the theater tonight to come back to this interview, I was listening to some of the old stuff to kind of get pumped up for the interview, mm-hmm. and I noticed I need probably to get a lot of the remastered things because things don't sound very good. Um, like it, it just sounds kind of like tinny now, and it's not the fault of the production; it's just the fault of the, the CDs that I had. And I, I bought everything twice, and I think that's enough. <laughs> I bought everything on vinyl. Up till uh, I think I have a Violator on vinyl, and then bought it also on CD, and then I was going getting into CDs. So I'm not gonna buy it again in iTunes. I think that's quite enough. I also really like the the concert DVDs they put out. With oh yeah, which are, uh, some of which I used to have the VHSs. Now I have the DVDs. Yeah. But uh, Dave's voice is not nearly as good live these days. Oh. But well, I mean, it's still good, but it. What I should say is it sounds different than the album. Oh, yeah. Uh, and nobody at the shows has a problem with that, but sometimes I'll have the DVD on and friends are like, wait, this is Depeche Mode. And the, but, I, but I do love how they put those albums out because, like I said, I love those, I hate to say the word jam, but it's like they do kind of extend the music. I was going to say, yeah. Because yeah. uh, one of my favorite live recordings ever, uh, and, you'll, and this will make you laugh because, you, again, I'm sounding like the biggest non-Depeche Mode, Depeche <laughs> Mode fan. But, uh, no, actually, they, they still are one of my favorite bands. But uh, And I, this kid just came up randomly in the iTunes tonight on the way home, the live version of Everything Counts from 101, which yeah, is probably yeah. like one of my probably my favorite live performance ever. And I got to see a version of it because I saw them like three weeks before in Cleveland do the oh, same okay. thing. But uh, if you watch 101, uh, that final shot where he's kneeling down and the camera's behind him and the light's coming from the, the towers there and he just stops singing and he's just waving his hand for the audience to keep singing, ooh, goosebumps, man. I know, I know. And I don't think I've actually ever seen a, a concert at a venue that big before. I mean, I've, I've been to some big things, but, you know, that was like 90,000 people. Yeah. And... I think it, I think it's really hard for the attention of that many people to be so into it, and especially when you look back at when 101 was done, they didn't have nearly the catalog that they went on to having. No, but they still had like what eight albums at that point, right? Speak no, Mode, Broken no, Frame, Fractured Time, so, like no six, six, but still six albums worth of stuff. That's you know, it's still pretty impressive. Six albums worth of stuff, yet some of their most famous music wasn't recorded until shortly after. That's true. They did not have the big hits until, uh, yeah, because Violator sold tons. And I think Violator knocked Nirvana off the top of the album chart. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And uh, do you know who the opening act was on the 101 tour in North America? Uh, I'm going to say Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. No. I have no idea. <laughs> it's a trick question. Is OMD. 
Oh, oh, I should have known that. I was a little upset they only got to play for half an hour, but, you know. They got to play for an hour of the Rose Bowl, I understand. And then uh, Thomas Dolby and Wire were also on the bill for that show. Huh, okay, that's fun. Yeah, there you go. So, um, all right, well, this has been a lot of fun. I should let you get back to work, though, on your uh, on your TV script. Let's uh, plug some stuff. You uh, write for the TV show Sullivan and Son on TBS. Yeah, I'm literally in my office at Warner Brothers right now. Uh, awesome. Season 3 comes out to TBS uh, this summer, Thursday okay. night, 10 o'clock. So the, cool. the previous seasons of our old-school sitcom, which takes place in a bar, can be found on iTunes and Amazon. Cool. We need to get those on Netflix, which is what I have. Although, oh, we have Amazon now, though, so we can we can get them that way too. But they're not on Netflix, yeah. Yeah, we need to get that sorted. Um, yeah, yeah. So Sullivan, so we we talked to your boss a couple of months ago. Uh, so we'll link back to that episode, uh, Mr. Steve Byrne, and then uh, we'll link to Man School, including episode fifteen with uh, I work for my favorite band. But there's all kind of great episodes in there. There's just just tons and tons. And uh, the one episode, and, and a lot of people are like this, Mark Maron says about his podcast, is you, even if you don't think you're going to like the topic or you never heard of the person, uh, give it a listen anyway. The one with, about your friend who, uh, his mom passed, she was German, and she passed away in Germany, he had to go to Germany to do that. I wasn't going to listen to that one because I thought, this is kind of kind of a bummer. But I'd listened to all my other podcasts, and I'm like, well, this is still new. I'll listen to this one. Fascinating story. Yeah, that's so nice to hear. Um, I... I try and have on people whose stories I know ahead of time, so I don't have to know all the details, but yeah. so at least uh, it can be a little bit more focused and on a topic, and the nice thing about having people who are comedians or entertainers or, or writers is they're used to being able to express themselves, so a story yeah. that should be really sad is at least entertaining. Yeah, and it, it, I think it works out uh, really well. And um, your, your former podcast uh, um, can still be found on iTunes as well, uh, The Gentleman's Club. Uh, some of it, yeah. Yeah, va- vastly different. <laughs> but, um, yeah, vastly different. That was my Train the Wheels podcast, too. Yeah, that's what, like, like my football podcast was, yeah. But, um, yeah, this is uh, – and, and at Man School, getting a lot of good ink, getting a lot of good reviews uh, all over the place, I see. <laughs> And the uh, most recent episode, I got to sit down with Sugar Ray Leonard. How cool is I that? Just, I just downloaded that waiting for you to uh, get a free moment. I think, well, I'll go ahead and update my iTunes. And that was one of the episodes that dropped in tonight. So I've got uh, something new to listen to tomorrow as well. Um, now, hopefully you don't think that's with uh, Sugar Ray frontman Mark McGrath. <laughs> that's a different music. No. I've got to find someone whose favorite band is Sugar Ray. I'll, I'll probably be looking for a long time. You but, might have to ask Mark McGrath. Yeah, I'm not mad at those guys. No, and I don't think they are either. They they have a sense of humor. Yeah, they got some good. Thing. You know, I got, got a handful of really catchy pop songs. I mean, I nothing, nothing wrong with uh, 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 what was the um, someday and uh, um, answer the phone, which I think a very underrated track that didn't even cracked the top forty, and uh, that's a great tune. But well, you're going to change that with this podcast. Exactly. Right? People can go back and dig through the Sugar, Sugar Ray back catalog after they get caught up on Depeche Mode. Well, this is this has been a ton of fun, and I. I'd like the chance to geek out on Depeche Mode because, you know, usually I don't get a chance. Then exactly. People, then the people who I do meet who are huge Depeche Mode fans, they're way further down the rabbit hole than I am. Yeah, that's funny. It's it, there's I, My wife and I talk about that all the time. It's like there's really nothing we're that into that, you know, that just that kind of defines us. And, like, the people that get into, so into something they can make a website for just fascinate me. And I'm glad they do it. Like, there's a guy in Seattle that has the, it's called Pat's World of OMD. And I'm glad he did that. I could never, ever do that. <laughs> I'm just not that far into it. I mean, I love them, but I just, I, I just not, yeah. I guess you're just, people are just built differently that way. They get that, you know, get that focused on something. 
And it's the whole, how much time do you have on your hands? Thing. I know, right? Yeah, I barely have time enough to do this. And I got to run back out and grab the girls uh, from Wicked and, you know, man. So. Well, I appreciate life, you skipping out on Wicked so we could have this chat. Well, life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, no, I've seen it before. So that it was a, a Christmas present. Um, actually, it was from Santa to uh, both the girls. And uh, so my wife took them. I got dinner out of it, though, so. Very nice. Well, PF, I thank you so much for all your support. It's been great talking to you, and stay warm, my friend. I will, sir. Have fun there in Southern California. Good luck with the show and everything, and uh, continue to success with Man School. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Bye-bye. I appreciate it. That was cool. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, the first episode of Your Favorite Band. Caleb Bacon, our first guest, nice enough to join us, taking time out of his busy schedule there in the writer's room in Sullivan's Sun right there on the Warner Brothers lot. Uh, took a break to, to geek out about Depeche Mode, and we appreciate it. You can find Caleb's podcast, Man School, uh, in several places. Uh, you can find it in SoundCloud, but the easiest way is probably either to go to manschoolshow.com or even easier, just go to iTunes and search for it there. If you don't have iTunes, you can find it online and stream it uh, at manschoolshow.com. You can follow Caleb on Twitter at Caleb Eats Bacon, and you can watch Sullivan the Sun, like you said, on TBS over the summer or through iTunes or through Amazon. So there you have it. All right, so uh, like this show uh, on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at PF66. If you just joined us for the Depeche Mode episode because we kind of did something different, we brought some new folks in here, uh, please, as Jackie Cashian says, uh, a friend of the show, uh, go back and cherry pick the episodes. Uh, we have some music episodes. We talked to some musicians, uh, Paradise Fears. Uh, we've talked to all, all kinds of folks, Plug and Stereo, uh, people like that. Uh, the Hot Shell Ray, uh, a couple of bands, mostly comedians, uh, mostly mixed in with me doing fake news and dumb bits and things like that, but um, give it a chance. I think you'll like it. All right, so we'll, we'll link to everything we talked about on the show today at pfradio.podbean.com. Uh, other than that, if you want to tell folks where to find us, you can also find us in iTunes if you haven't found us there already. Okay, well, that's it for the show. Uh, we're going to leave you here with a song called Dream On from the album that got Caleb Bacon uh, cemented into the Depeche Mode camp. So long and thanks for listening. Dream on, dream on. Take one, kill you, but careful what you 